Esther chapter 4, Esther chapter 4, verse number 14, says this. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. In other words, even if you don't do it, God will raise somebody else up who will. How many believes that God's going to get his will to be accomplished in the earth? I don't want him to pass me by. How many can say that I don't want God to pass me by? I want him to use me, okay? So if you don't say something, God says deliverance will arise for my people from another place. But you, here's the caveat. Here's the warning. But you and your father's house will perish. So there's something to do with the life of God that comes upon a, a person or a people who is willing to say what God wants said. And if we're silent about it, the caveat is that then our house would perish. We would not be able to fulfill the plans and purposes that God actually designed for us to have in the earth. Yet, the Bible says, yet, everybody say yet. Yet, who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are closer to the kingdom than you think. Just tell them, you're closer to the kingdom. Write that down in the comments. You're closer to the kingdom than you think. The title of my message this morning is, It's Time to Reign. By the way, you're welcome. You're welcome. It started raining outside. Hallelujah. A little, little prophetic there. Hallelujah. Father, we love you so very much and we give you praise and glory for all that you've done in this house, Lord God. We are totally submitted, Lord God, to you. We want you to know. We want your will and your way to reign, R-E-I-G-N and R-A-I-N. In this house, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Now let, Lord God, the anointing flow from my lips to your people, Lord God, and the anointing upon them to hear and to process and to put it into practice, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. And amen and amen. <clears throat> so we are living in a time where the culture of the kingdom of men, which is the, the natural experience, the, the kingdom of men, talking about what, just the, the, where we live and our, you know, our existence on planet Earth and how we flow in within you know, governments and so on and, and how we're in America and there's laws and, and there's, again, a government that rules us. There, there is something called the kingdom of men, and that's only the natural experience that we have on planet Earth. But I believe, prophetically speaking, and, and I will tell you that, I will tell you that, that this is where we're at. I believe that this, the kingdom of men is now converging upon the culture of the kingdom of God, which is not natural. It is spiritual. So we have this natural experience that we're having every single day of our lives, and we were born into, into this world. But then because of the born-again experience, we now have a spiritual experience as well. So we have the kingdom of men, and we have the kingdom of God. The two, I believe, prophetically, are beginning to converge upon one another. So in other words, we're going to begin to see things heightened in these days ahead to where the spiritual realm becomes more and more real to us. I'm going to prophesy and tell you what I feel by, by just being in prayer these last probably a couple months or so, that we are now in an open heaven season. 
Now, again, what's interesting about the supernatural world or the spirit world, which is the kingdom of God, I'll talk about, I'm going to talk about it in, in more detail in just a moment. But what's interesting about it is that it, it's always there. And when you begin to understand it and begin to walk it out in faith, it gets closer to you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But my point to you is, is that I believe that even though it, I say to you it's an open heaven, something inside, some people go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like the world's falling apart. Well, I will tell you this. That's when God does his greatest works. So if we've been praying for God for change, we should be expecting change to happen. Amen. So if I'm praying, I'm asking God for change to happen. Our songs are about change. Our songs are about a move of God. Our songs are about super, the supernatural showing up. And why? We're, we're getting prepared to see God begin to do things from heaven into the earth until it is not any longer something that we, we go, oh, wow, that's so incredible. It's just something that's going to happen on a day-to-day -day basis. So the kingdom of heaven's converging now upon the kingdom of men and that open heaven has become so wide open that when we ask, whatever we ask for, it will be done. This is the season that we're in. Why? Because we need it the most. So what will the devil do? Is I need my message this morning. What he does, does he do? He will keep you out of the place of prayer. Because there are secret things that God holds dear to himself that he wants to reveal to his children, which is you and me. But the problem is we don't get in that time with God to get it because the secrets that God reveals are in the secret place. The secret place is the place of secrets. It's where God reveals something you didn't know before. He whispers it in your ear and it changes your life. It changes your wife. It changes your husband. It changes your children. It changes your money. It changes your promotions. It Am I preaching okay so far? So church, we are in fact citizens of that world, of that spirit. My prayer is, God, open our eyes that we can see that realm so clearly and feel it and know that it's there, that the, the veil is so thin that it's just we, can just, we just see it. It's so easy to see. So we are in fact citizens of the kingdom of God because we've been born into it by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. You're watching me right now or maybe in this audience this morning and, and you don't know Jesus. It's so simple. It's just a whisper prayer away from you being born into another realm altogether. And so when you're born again, giving your life to Jesus, asking forgive your sin, believe that he is Lord, believe that he died for your sin, that God raised him from the dead, that's all you got to do. A child can understand that. And when you receive him as Lord, he becomes your Lord. Not just in title, but he actually is the Lord of your life. And you become born again, and now you've been born into another kingdom, which is the kingdom of God, which is God's supernatural in the earth. However, our rights as citizens cannot be claimed until we put away the idols in our lives. When's the last time you heard preaching about idols? Boy, I grew up with idols. Boy, I mean, they were all over about idols. I, that preacher would always talk about them, get them idols. There'd be no other God before him. And I still believe that today. We got too many things that are before God taking the place of God that should never be there in the first place. I said, we got too many, we're putting too many things before our God. And so we've got to get rid of the idols in our life. God in this day and hour is holding his people accountable and he's holding his people to a higher standard. That should not freak you out. That should excite you this morning. 
But if it does freak you out, praise God, you've got some scripture. 1 John 1, 9 that says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So you can come real quick to back, back where you're supposed to be, back online with God. And I, I want to say that. I'm going to say this again. I, I need to say this again. Again, God is holding his people right now. He always holds us to a higher standard, but he's actually enforcing this now in our lives. Don't fall asleep on me. Don't you dare go asleep on me right now. This is your time right now to hear what God is saying to you because this is so powerful until it's going to change your life. I received from the Lord um, February 4th of this year a word when I was in prayer, and I shared this word with my elders, and so it's documented. I shared this word with uh, uh, many of my pastor friends and sons and daughters all across America, and, um, and so it's a small group of people, uh, but I, it went out to them, and, and, uh, and I got feedback from them and so on, and so I will tell you this, that since about the beginning of the year, my elders and I begin to pray, and we pray weekly for you all, for our church, for our nation, and our, our, our city. And, um, and so, and we take that very seriously. We don't miss, we don't miss any Tuesday nights. And, um, and so since that time, it's like the prophetic in me has gotten stirred up to another level. And even more throughout the summer months, I notice it got stronger and stronger. Now, those that know me understand that I do carry a prophetic. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back because uh, that's when you lose it. Hallelujah. I don't want to be that like that. I want to, I, the, the most precious thing I could ever have in my life is that I would hear the voice of God. And so I don't determine, I do not determine what he says. I don't make it up in my head to tell you something. As a matter of fact, I haven't shared this. This is from February. And I have many, multiple uh, uh, prophecies that I have, and I haven't shared even all those with my friends, my pastor friends, with the elders, or with my sons and daughters. I haven't done, I haven't shared those yet. And so there are certain things I'm, I'm allowed to share that, that I share, and, and I'm not trying to make myself sound so mystical and esoteric. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just telling you the truth. I don't, you can step out of time with something God gives you. And if it's out of time, it's ugly. But everything in its time is beautiful, the Bible says. So uh, I'm careful what I share. And, but I will be honest with you. I think about the things that God gives me, and then I think about some of you all. And I think, oh, my God, they're not ready to hear that. Yes, we are. No, some of y'all are not ready to hear what God has to say. So when I hear from heaven what God has to say, he doesn't ask me my opinion. He never consults with me and says, now, son, does this make sense to you? I wonder if it made sense to Jesus when he said, eat my body and drink my blood. Lord, I know what you're saying, but they ain't going to know what you're saying. But God says, now the time to say it. And many walked away from him that day. I have words that I go, oh, Lord, if you give me the green light to share this word, there may be people that walk away from me because they're trying to kill the messenger. It may not even be my viewpoint, but it's what God says to say. So we've got to be prepared, and I'm just beginning to prepare you now so when these things are shared, you don't think it's coming from me, but that you know it's by the Holy Spirit. And here's how you're going to know. Stick with me just a little bit longer, and you'll find out if the words come to pass, you'll know I'm hearing from heaven. And some of these words have time dates on them. So that's how this is going to go down. So, uh, and I'm not personally afraid of that. More, more that I'm concerned about is that you're not prepared, not all of you. Some of you are, but some are not prepared to hear what God has to say. And then they cut me out of their life, and then I can no longer be a voice to them. But then I'm going to have to let God iron all that stuff out as he begins to release me. 
So this is the word that I got. Said that, he said that revival is coming to America and the world would not be like that which you've seen in recent years. This revival will be a move of confrontation where God shows up and there will be no denying of who he is. God is setting the record straight and he is demanding allegiance of his people. He is drawing the line in the sand and saying no more. God has positioned his people who will obey him and who will live in holiness for they will have prosperity and provision unlike they've ever seen. And he is going to judge our enemies on our behalf, but also on behalf of this nation. Many will die and be no more because of their wickedness. And those who have conspired against God and his people will vanish away in the night and will lose their place of influence. And I saw people I won't give their names, but I saw people that were in the news and people that we know that were no longer around. He said their influence will be gone. And once the unrighteousness is dealt with from all seats of power and authority, we will see the greatest revival the world has ever known. Millions, listen to this, millions are coming into the kingdom. We must prepare for the harvest like never before. Get everything in order. God is coming to visit us in a brand new way, and he is bringing in a mighty harvest with him. Somebody say hallelujah. How many believe that God is up to something in the heavenlies, and this move of God is coming to planet earth? And I've taught you. And I've taught you, and you've got scriptural precedent, old precedent over and over in the scripture, telling you that when God begins to move, when God comes, he brings both what? Blessing and judgment. So it's nothing for God. This is what happens. He begins to bless the people of God, but the judgment comes upon the wicked. Look, the kingdom of God cannot manifest in our lives, that realm of the spirit in our lives, until all idols have been put away and brought down. Only, the Bible says there's only one king, and there can be only one God. So what is idolatry? Idolatry is this. It's worship of anything other than God. And worship is total investment with your time, talent, and treasures. To worship means you are fully dedicated to it, and you sacrifice for it. Can I say that again? Worship means you're totally dedicated to it, and you sacrifice for it. Church, we say we love God with all our hearts, but we can't turn Netflix off half the time just to spend time with him. We say we honor God, but we don't obey him. We say, God, you're all I need, but you don't give him any of your time. What are we really dedicated to? What are we really sacrificing for? We know more about the Bucks, the Brewers, the Packers, the Panthers than we do Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Come on, y'all. Look, here's God's remedy for idolatry and compromise. Matthew 6. This is Jesus speaking in verse 33. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you desire. They'll be added unto you. So the remedy of compromise and idolatry is that you always put God first. In other words, the culture of the kingdom and the king is to be considered before all else. Is he number one in your life? We want the blessing, but we don't want to do what it takes to receive the blessing. 
What is the kingdom of God? The Bible talks about the kingdom of God, and this is how it breaks down. It's God's method of operation. It's how God begins to move. It's God's way of doing and being right. It's God's exchange system from heaven, which is spiritual, to earth, which is natural. It's how God takes what is the spirit and brings it into the natural world. And then we said this a moment ago, but Jesus taught us to pray. And when he said, when you pray, he said, you pray, your kingdom come. This is the prayer the saints are to pray. Your kingdom come. Your transfer system be made readily available to me now. Your way of doing and being right. Your method of operation come now. On earth, the will of God on earth as it is where? In heaven. So we got to get the will of God to be performed in the earth in our lives. And we do that by way of the kingdom of God. So the kingdom is not natural, it's supernatural. And how do you turn this kingdom on? How do you turn it on? How does it become supernatural? It's when you turn your flesh off. It's when you remove all other idols out of your life and say, God, you're number one in my life. I'm not going to let anything else take your place. Nothing as high and lofty as you. Forever you are my Lord and forever you are my King. And when you do that, heaven comes down. So I do not believe the open heaven is an automatic for all of God's people. I'm just telling you it's open. But I'm giving you the tools now how to begin to see heaven begin to be opened for you. Look at Luke chapter 17, verse 20. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. I feel like praying in the Holy Ghost right now. I felt the presence of God just come in this place. For indeed the kingdom of God is where, church? It ain't there. It ain't there. It's not in a building. It's not in a camera. It's not in a house. It's not in a nation. The kingdom of God is everywhere where God's people go. The kingdom of God is inside of you. Why did he put it there? So you couldn't lose it. Wherever I go, he goes. Because if there's a kingdom in me, sure enough, there's a king in me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own psychological thinking, your, your, your brain, your, 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 your intellectual part of you. And we begin to, uh, we begin to intellect, try to understand by intellectually assenting towards God and understanding him mechanically in our heads, and you cannot. But the Spirit of God is in you wherever you go. In other words, I train my brain. That's a good message right there. I train my brain. I renew my mind that he is here already. I'm not begging God from another plane somewhere and asking, oh, God, if you just come, he's already come and he's inside you. So that when I begin to understand that and practice that, when I'm at the grocery store, he's there. His will, his way of doing. <laughs> Hallelujah, come somebody. Come on, y'all. His exchange system is already on the inside of me. If I'm at the gas station, he's there. If I want to turn it on for the cashier and say, I, th- I think I got something for that. I got a little word for that person. I like that song, Prophesy. Well, that song turned me on, y'all. Woo! We didn't write that, did we? Well, we did. We did. No, we didn't. That'd be a lie. We should have. That was a great song. It is a great song. 
And wherever you go, God goes with you. Okay, now, the kingdom is spirituality in practicality. Because I, I still got to mow my lawn. Winter's coming, I, I'm going to have to shovel my drive. I still got to clean my basement and wash my dishes and change the do- poopy diapers. And I got to get make sure the dog has been taken out and all, all the things you got to do in life. I still got to do all those things. We got to do those things, right? So that's the practicality. But the kingdom of God is the spirituality in the practicality. Everywhere I go, it's the spirit realm invading the natural realm. It's called the supernatural. Everybody say it's supernatural. The origin, or let me put it this way, not just the origin, but the original plan of God was to extend his heavenly kingdom. In other words, his unseen realm, his, his, the spirit realm on the earth. So that was God's original plan for earth, is that his kingdom, the unseen realm, would converge and be upon the seen realm. This really was God's motivation from the very beginning. God set up a program, if you will, to do just that, to come into the seen world. Not with the intention of being seen, but with the intention of being believed. Being seen isn't what pleases God. You would think it would. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, 6, but without, y'all, what's it say? Without, say it one more time, but without, Faith. Someone write that in the comments. Faith. But without faith, faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith. Everybody say by faith. Our God wants to be explored. Our God wants to be pressed into. Our God wants to be engaged. Come on, y'all. Our God wants to be believed in. And so in order for, the, for God to establish his kingdom on earth, he needed proper representation. So what does he do? The Bible says he makes man on the sixth day. And he made man in his image and his likeness and then brought woman from out of the man in his image and in his likeness. And so he puts man on earth to have dominion and authority over all that can be seen and the seen realm. But he's what? He's operating in two realms. Because the God of heaven who is spiritual, not natural, the Bible says walk with Adam every day in the garden. So the spirit realm, or God himself, walks with the natural man as a representation. So he gets his orders and commands from heaven and says, this is the earth. It's all yours. This is called the Eden, which means the place of pleasure. I've given it to you as my pleasure to you and your pleasure to keep. And he said, now I want you to tend it and keep it. It's all yours. And whatever you name the animals, it will become its function. Everything is yours. And he got lonely, and God said, it's not good for man to be alone. He knew us. He's not good for man to be alone. He said, I'll make for him a helper. And when God made that woman, come on, somebody, he looked across and said, whoa, man. And that became her name, woman. Come on, somebody say amen. <laughs> Actually, it means womb. Man with a womb is what that means. Woman, man with a womb. And so she also became in his image and in his likeness. They function together. 
So when you get married, help me somebody. When you get married, it's not one above the other. It's not the man saying, you do as I say. Run for us. Run from somebody like that. Amen. And it's not a woman being a Jezebel telling Ahab to do what she says. Y'all didn't want to say amen on that one. Yeah, get that man. Sometimes we got to get that woman too. Amen. Right? So they worked and functioned together in unity of the spirit of God. And man became the offspring of God on planet earth. Man would then release, establish, and execute God's kingdom in the seeing world. And the New Testament calls us what? Ambassadors of Christ. What's an ambassador? Someone who stands in the authority of another. So when we send American ambassadors out, they stand in the authority of the United States of America and the President of the United States. They go in that authority. You treat them the same way you treat the President. Why? Because he stands in his authority. The same is true with you and I. Now that we've been born again, we have, I got to teach this, y'all. I got to teach this. You got to know who you are. Because we are moving, listen to me, we are moving now into prophetic warfare. But it's not going to be like, of oh, we're not going to let the devil beat us up for five weeks. Five or six weeks and then finally get two, three feet of inches of, uh, uh, three, two feet of, uh, of victory and then go back into warfare. We are going to take back territory for God Almighty. Come on. There is an open heaven and God is releasing angels on our behalf to push back the darkness. Do you believe that? We've got to walk by faith, not by sight. We've got to stand in the authority of God that when we walk and we talk, whether it be at the 7-Eleven or on our job or at the church or in the parking lot, the Spirit of God can flow through us at any moment in time. For you never know if you come into the kingdom for such a time as this. So we stand in the function and office of Jesus Christ. You're not Jesus Christ. You're submitted to him. But wherever you go, the devil knows the authority you carry. When you know who you are in Christ, he's going to bow his knee, give up territory, and give up his plan. For the devil knows his hour is short and his plans are being exposed. So if you've been feeling the heat of hell around you, it's only because you're about to experience a mighty breakthrough in your life. He's being exposed, church. Stand up in the authority of God. Stand up for your rights in the kingdom of God. You're not a nobody. You're a child of the king that bears his name in the earth. Everybody say it's a supernatural thing. It's a supernatural thing. And those, if you can write that, write those in the, right there in the comments. It's a supernatural thing. Amen. Hey, hey, hey. Hebrews 11, chapter 3. Look at this real quick. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. How much do I like that song prophesy? It says it all right there. It's time for the people of God to begin to stand up and prophesy. Well, I'm not a prophet. Yes, you are. 
you might not carry the function of a five-fold prophet, but the prophetic mantle is for all who wants to prophesy. You can, the Bible says, seek it. You can have, you should, you should be seeking to prophesy, seeking to hear God's voice and then declare it. Well, I don't hear real well yet. That's okay. You'll learn how to hear. But if you just pick up your Bible, the book is full of prophetic things to prophesy. You start prophesying the word of the Lord as if every demon in hell has got to submit because they do. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen, see, we're in that world that can be seen. But they were not made of things which are visible. So the things we see were made of things that can't be seen by, vi- by natural eyes. The seen world, S-E-E-N, if I'm not saying that correct, seen, seen world is supported by the unseen world because it was first. So we get our support system from heaven. Where else are you going to get it from? Mars? Some of y'all still waiting for some of y'all wait, still waiting for this UFO invasion to take place, and how you're gonna uh, at some point the Martians are gonna get off the ships and stuff and talk to us and stuff like that. Can we be honest with you? Something I was I've been fascinated with that stuff my whole life. I, UFO stories, Bigfoot. We're gonna find Bigfoot one of these days. I just feel we're gonna feel one. I have no idea. I, there's stuff out there we don't know. I don't know. I don't even want to know what's in the water. I don't. I don't. I don't want to know. If you find it, uh, good for you. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know about it. I do not like the depths of the sea. How many are with me? I don't want to know what's on there. If it can live five miles down, I don't want to know what can live in total darkness and pressure so strong that we can't build ships to go down there. But we can put a man in the moon, but we can't build ships to go down that far in the water. No, thank you. But Bigfoot, maybe. We might have a Bigfoot. I don't know. UFOs, all that kind of stuff, let me tell you what you're dealing with. Some of it's nonsense, some of it's garbage, some of it's hype and all that kind of stuff. But some of it's real. And the reason why I say it's real, it's not, these, are, these, these creatures are not, um, they are not out there somewhere in the universe. They're interdimensional. So is your God. So is heaven. They are demon spirits that come to seduce people or hurt them, or harm them in some psychological or even physical way. Them stories, I believe there are truth to those stories, but they are not from other planetary systems. They are interdimensional. They are from the realm of the spirit. And if you can understand me, I'm getting a little off track, getting a little bit of this. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm out of there. I'm getting the rabbit trail now. If you can understand this, they don't come from hell. Because they've not been judged to hell yet. They are in what the Bible calls the second heavens. Satan and his crew are not in hell yet. We want them to go to hell, but they're not there yet. They're in the second heavens. That's where we get the scripture where Daniel says, I, I prayed and I fasted. I didn't get no results on 21 days. And on the 21st day, Michael came. Was it Gabriel or Michael? My, Gabriel. And then Michael was the backup. He came to me and he said, I had to call for backup uh, from heaven because he said, I had opposition coming from God's throne to the earth by the prince of Persia. So those gods, little g gods, who think they have authority, but do have authority only because man gives them authority. I'm preaching a whole bunch now. I'm really getting deep now. I'm out there on the ledge now. Those gods think that they have authority, but they only have the authority that we give them. 
That's why God said, I'll have no other gods before me. And so you might not call them by a certain name, these certain gods that rule and reign in different reigns of uh, different realms of authority, but you might call them your boat, you might call them your television set, you might call them your time, your weekend. Now you've got now you've got idols in your own life that you set up as above God. That's why he said, I have no other gods before me. You've got to remove them. Somebody say amen. So the truth of the matter is, these demons do not come from hell, they come from the second realm. You gotta fight them. Hallelujah. And they will, look, you will win, praise God. Praise God. Is this okay? Every time I preach like this, people get up and leave. I've never seen anything like it. It's just, it's just, they're not ready for it. You're not ready for it. You got to be prepared for this stuff. But it's coming. That's not my job to keep people. My job is to make sure to tell you the truth. That's my job. And the day will come. You will have an angelic visitation or something from God that blows your mind. You go, man, that Pruitt was right. I can only be right if God is right. Amen. And amen. Um, We are going to begin to see, I believe, with all my heart, these two worlds begin to run together seamlessly. And we're going to start seeing it supported God. Remember, Jesus' first and only message was the kingdom of God. Jesus was not attempting to establish a religion. As a matter of fact, it, it, it was never God's plan. Never God's plan to ever establish a religion. I'm just a religious person. You better get that religious spirit out of you. No, no, no. Religion is what killed Jesus. Don't read your Bible. (laughs) It was the Pharisees over their Judeo religion that put Jesus on the cross. And please don't misunderstand me. I love my Jewish brothers and sisters. Sister, I pray for the peace of Israel every single day. I'm not putting nothing on you that's not already in the book. I'm simply saying that's a fact. Well, it was, it was actually, Pastor, if you really think about it, it was actually, uh, it was um, Pilate that killed him. No, Pilate didn't, is not the one who stirred everybody up. It was religion that did that. Religion, church, is man-made. That's why it frustrates people. That's why you can hear people now and, 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 and they, they talk badly about church or badly about God, maybe on a podcast or whatever, and you hear them because they had an experience with religion, not with the living God. It frustrates people because they're looking for God and they can't find him. All they find is more man-made rules. The word religion comes from a root word meaning to search, to search. It's man's attempt to find God. Why? Because they feel they lost them. Buddhism, Confucianism, Hinduism, Shintoism, Baha'i faith, Scientology, Unitarianism. These are all religions because they're a man's attempt to find something they believe that they lost. So after the fall of Adam, God made a decision. Instead of you looking for him, he's going to start looking for you. 
Where are you, Adam? Adam, Adam, where are you? Right after the fall. He's looking for you, even when you fail. He's looking for you, even when you've blown it. He's still looking for you, even when you've turned your back. Somebody shout, thank God he's looking for me. Aren't you glad that he sought you out? How come you're saved and the rest of your family is not yet? You've got a mission and you've been commissioned by God to be an example to the rest of your family and friends. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Look at the time. That devil is a liar. Hallelujah. Even messing with time. Don't believe it. Don't believe the time. We still got a half hour to go. Hallelujah. Look, y'all. But I'm hungry. No, not yet. Almost done. Amen. Thank you so much. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Man builds religion to find God. And God says, you don't need to do it. I'm looking for you. Just open your heart. I love my God. I love him so much. He sent his son to die. Listen, Jesus, and he doesn't make it difficult for me. A child can understand this principle. So it was never God's plan to establish a religion, but a kingdom. A kingdom. And in that kingdom, it was never his plan to have royal subjects. But instead, sons and daughters of the kingdom. That's what your Bible says. We associate kings with having royal subjects. Not so, though, in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, we are heirs to God. And we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. I'm an heir to God because I am like my elder brother, the Bible says, Jesus. Amen. He's the first fruits. I don't know what fruits I am. Amen. But I'm a fruit somewhere in there. Do not write that in the comments. I'm not a fruit somewhere in the kingdom. Not in the kingdom. Anyways. My point to you is this. Is that we are sons and daughters, which means we carry the same assignment that Jesus had. So whatever God promises Jesus, God promises you and me. But a royal subject, a servant, would never get that kind of royal treatment. Church, it was never God's plan to have something called Christianity. I'm not against against using the word because I understand. But we should understand the concept behind it. It was never God's plan to have something called Christianity. Where is that in scriptures? It's not there. He has always desired sons and daughters that would be citizens of his kingdom. This is the culture he wanted to create. A family within a kingdom that rules a kingdom. It was his, the heathens, the Bible says, that named believers Christians. And although the meaning was good because it means Christ-like, it was an attempt to make it into a religion. It was a slang term. Oh, those Christ-like people over there. It was, it was like a cuss word. It was a slang term, but it stuck in the early church. I have a relation with God, not as a subject of God, but as a son of God. You have a relation with God as a son or a daughter of God who is a citizen of his kingdom, which means I received those benefits and rights. John 1.12 says, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become the children of God. 
So sons of God, the Bible says, uh, to those who believe in his name. So my point is, is that I got rights. Rights means privilege. I got privileges. So the Bible names us sons and daughters, not Christians. He calls us family. Y'all like to be family? I like being family because I know that when I mess up, my dad ain't going to throw me away. He's got to love me. And I got to love him even though I don't understand everything he wants to do. He wants to bring correction. Why? I don't like correction. Who likes correction? Right? But I know he loves me. How about Ephesians 2.19? Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens, not Christians or religion, but citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. To be a Christian, I would have to live up to the heathen standards. But what if I mess up? Because all the time, you mess up. I thought you was a Christian. How did you become such a Christian theologian all of a sudden? I mess up one time and you all know everything about the Bible now because you want to throw it at me. But now that I'm a son and not living a religious rote, I understand that if I mess up, I go, you know what, I did mess up and I'm sorry about that. That's not a very good example, but I thank God that he always forgives me. Now you can become a testimony of being a son or a daughter who's in good grace with their father. To be a citizen, I have to represent my kingdom. To be an ambassador, I represent my king. God is king. And that word king means the ruler who sets the standards. And I'm closing. You can't be a king over nothing. Jesus is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He's speaking about us. We're also kings. We're also lords. He's just the king of them all. He's the lord of them all. You can't be a king over nothing. You need a domain. Kingdom. 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 You need a domain, which means to set standards for and to rule over, or in other words, to have dominion. So when God brought you to this earth and you're here now and you understand your authority, he gives you a domain to rule in. You may not rule as much as the next guy, but God has given you authority wherever he's put you. You have authority right where you're at. So when God created the earth, he creates a domain to rule over by setting certain standards. What are those standards? Quickly and I'm done. What are those standards? Morality. Morality, holiness. One of these days, soon, I'm going to be preaching a message on holiness. Something I used to rail against, not because I didn't believe in it, but because I saw the religion in it, because you can make things, certain rules up that are in holiness that make people feel bad about themselves. And I'm not about that, but there's a certain way we, got, we can't throw the baby out of the bathwater, y'all. There's certain standards that God says, these are the standards. If you want my blessing, if you want an open heaven, if you want to see great things happen, here's the standard. you got to walk in morality. You've got to walk in holiness. You've got to have faith. You've got to love one another. And you understand there's only one God. You're not God. He's God. It's a theocracy, not a democracy. You don't get to vote on it. So when I give a word out of heaven, I'm conditioning you. You have to understand it's not even my opinion. It doesn't matter if it is my opinion. It matters not if it's my opinion. If we're going to be the church God called us to be, we've got to say what God wants because he's God. He's not taking up a vote. He's not asking your opinion. He's not saying, well, the majority is going to rule here. No, he's God. I cannot tell you the number of times, at least 50% of the time, that I hear God say something I don't agree with, especially when it comes to forgiving people. I want God to prove himself on my behalf. Lord, stand up for your righteous son here who never does wrong. And get him, God, that they may learn. 
You know, we've all prayed prayers like that, right? I don't like it when he says, just let it go. I have. Mm -mm. No. Don't feel like they've suffered any. And, 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 and God's not, I have given prophecies over people that I knew their lifestyle. I said I was going to close, but I got two more closings left. Quickly. Quickly. I'm prophesying over people. I know a particular woman. She's a nice lady. She's a nice lady. But she's in sin. And she don't care. Anybody knows about it. And she's a homosexual. But she comes to our church. She, she used to years ago. And, um, and uh, you know, she's living with one of the women in the church that was coming to church stuff. And they would come and they loved the word. They'd come and receive the word. I, look, I, I don't judge people how they receive from God. We've all got sin in our lives, so let's not be throwing stones. And I don't do that. So let God be God. But my, my deal is, is that I know the sin. It's overt, it's obvious, and it's admitted. And so... I'm laying hands on people, and I go down to her, and she just stares at me like this, right? Almost a little intimidating, trying to be intimidating. And, um, and so uh, I look at her, and I begin to feel a word well up. I, feel, I start to feel the heart of God for her, and it's opposite of the look I have in front of me. And I begin to prophesy over her the word of the Lord, not any portion of that word dealt with her sin. Now, you can say what you want, but we already got, we got precedent in the word of God where Jesus did not deal initially with the sin of the woman caught in the act of adultery. He spared her life first, then said, go and sin no more. So let's be real careful how we do this. We should live in holiness, but we do not cast that upon somebody else to live a certain standard. They must understand how, to, they, how they go. They're never going to listen. They'll never trust us if we do that. That sin, any other sin. So I begin to prophesy over her. She begins to fold like an accordion. Like this, look at me. It's like, I mean, eyes begin to well up with tears, head drops, and just crocodile tears. Boom. And she just folds and folds the power of God, nails her, and she goes out in the spirit. The word I had for her did not, it did not align with my view and opinion of her. And that was mercy. But sometimes it's the direct opposite. And if the prophetic is only for mercy, we've missed, we've missed the balance. It no longer balances out. And sometimes there's somebody you have in front of you that go, oh yeah, they're great. They love God. Blah, blah, blah. And you get this, God says enough. Boom, 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 boom. And then they cry. And fold like an accordion, but for a different reason altogether. Either we're gonna, either we're gonna move in that spirit realm, or we're not. And the only way we get there is by being completely surrendered and obedient to God. Somebody say, "Amen." 